Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good day. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. I have an event coming up. Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning Seminar in Berkeley, February 9th from 11 to 1 p.m. So it's a lunchtime event, daytime event. Double Tree by Hilton Berkeley Marina Hotel. Registration is $25, but if you use the registration passcode for radio, it's called Retire123. Retire123. You can get in free of charge. A lot of retirement planning issues are very complicated. And I do think you get to a point where you accumulate wealth and you wealth manage. And I think this is one of those events where you need to start learning the concept of wealth management and meet a CFP, Chad Burton, New Focus Financial, uh, to discuss some issues. Let's bring in a CFP, Chad Burton. How are you, Chad? Great. How about you? I'm okay. So uh, doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, you work with successful retirees. That's kind of an interesting start to a question right there. Um, all the time, yet you keep seeing surveys where over 50% of Americans uh, don't have enough saved. And typically they come from like a Fidelity or a TD Ameritrade. Um, what's the reality here? Are we succeeding as a nation or are we failing as a nation? Uh, well, when it comes to personal finance, I think we're failing as personal a nation. Finance. For okay. sure. I mean, it's... Um, it just, you know, even having conversations with my son, who's a junior in high school, um, it's, 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 there's really not a lot of, here's how you live life, the reality of paying bills and investing in 401ks and having to save 10%. That all comes from your parents versus any kind of a school. And the reality is here, the people that I see that are successful in retirement, they've either uh, you know, worked really, really hard building some sort of a business, whether it's tech, whether it's construction and real estate, um, you know, asbestos removal, whatever it may be, janitorial work, people that have built a business and really put a lot of sweat equity in, or people that saved at least 10% of every paycheck since the day they started in retirement plans. And they also, those, those types of people said, intended to save more when the market corrected because they thought of it as on sale. Or save more when they got bonuses and things like that. They were just always diligently looking towards the future. 
Um, or there's people out there that really hit it big in stock options if they had a good exit for their company. And then there's those that, um, uh, you know, more and more, thanks to this amazing generation of people that were in, you know, lived through the Depression era and then fought in World War II, they were diligent savers. They saw the Depression, so they, they realized how important it was to save money, and a lot of times they'll just hold on to that. And that's passing on to the boober generation right now. So there's a lot of people, Rob, that get saved from a life of living and working till the day they die to being able to finally retire because they inherit money. Now, inheritance, it's, uh, you know, I think we, I, I'm a little bit older than you. And I kind of grew up in the, uh, the television era where I was like, you've just inherited and you get this lawyer come out and he says, one million dollars. And it's like, woo, you've hit the, you know, the, the payday. It's time to, to retire. And uh, you go to your boss and you quit on the spot. Um, does that typically happen or is it, or is that television retirement or what should, does retirement look like when you do get the inheritance? Well, the, the, the stuff that makes the news and the TV are the people that get the inheritance or win the lottery and then they're on TV because they're bankrupt after five years. That's very so, common, and that's that's crazy sad. <laughs> and that's why it's like winning the lottery is a curse for some people. Um, first of all, it's time for advice. And if the, the people that don't do anything, in fact, the, the people that don't quit work when they win the lottery or they inherit money and they don't tell other people about it so they're not constantly asking them for loans, uh, those are the people that do well. They They kind of just act like nothing's happened so far. It's time for advice. They take time building a team. Um, they're not panicked about sitting in cash for a while or holding on to what they inherited until they get a good team built. CPA, which is the accountant, a certified financial planner, which is kind of the quarterback, and then you know even an attorney involved. Um, so it's time for advice because you may think it's a lot of money, but a million dollars right now with where bonds are and where CDs and cash are, maybe if you're 65 years old, that would kick off 38 grand a year for the rest of your life, and that's you know that's tough to live on in the bay area so that might still not be enough for example recently there was um a plan for a couple that actually did inherit some money and so they were seeking advice they listened to this show in fact and so they came in and they were really kind of in a spot rob where they're going to have to work another 20 years until they were 75 um so after we did a financial plan we came up with the idea that um, you've got a, a lump sum of money that you can now live off of, which would allow them to defer a lot of their current taxable income into, uh, we did a regular 401k for the husband, and that lowered their tax bracket enough to where their taxes were very low, so the wife was maxing out the Roth side of the 401k, and then they were both doing Roth IRAs for each of them. So they're doing over thirty grand a year into pre into Roth buckets, which were are you know tax free later in life. And so by kind of shifting money around into different buckets and figuring out what you're living off of, which doesn't always have to be your paycheck, could be passive income. They went from working to the day they die to inheriting some money to a six year path to retirement. So they were smart because they got it. You know they came in, they received advice. Um, and realized that they inherited a large chunk, but it's still not quite enough. Don't quit yet because there's a ton of age discrimination in the Bay Area. Um, and you and I both have had experiences and even, you know, our own families with people that have inherited money and spent it all and then some. 
<laughs> Very much so. Um, and that's tragic, especially when they're in their like mid-40s. Um, that money could have gone a lot further than it did. Uh, but you also talked about a little age discrimination, and I see it more and more where people are in their 40s, can't get jobs at Facebook or Google, or do get jobs at Facebook and Google as kind of babysitters to the younger engineers, which is kind of humbling. Right. Uh, you and I are going to be doing a big event coming up uh, February 9th, Doubletree by Hilton Berkeley Marina Hotel, Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning Seminar. It's $25, but use the code RETIRE123 to get in for free. More information is at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Chad, let's uh, plow through a little bit more content if we can. Do people typically... Um, how, do you ex- how do you handle that expected inheritance in projections? Because... I, I've seen an inheritance that were expected to be large dwindle, dwindle, mm-hmm. dwindle as the person lived on. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, if you're, you know, 60 years old and your parents are 85 and then both of them go into a nursing home for 5, 10 years, that, that inheritance could be gone. So right. we usually talk people out of using it in their projections at all or if they're really adamant about it, then a, a huge discount, maybe 20% of the number that they're thinking. And even then, I'm really uncomfortable and we run what-if scenarios. If that doesn't come in, how long will you work? Um, sometimes though, there are specific assets that might pass down, like you know, rental properties or apartments and things like that. I'd be very hesitant to put it in your own planning projections. Just like if you're under 50, I would, be, I would not put Social Security in your planning projections because I think it'll be replaced by higher taxes. So make sure you can retire without it. Thanks very much. One of my friends, Chad, she was expecting an inheritance from her very wealthy real estate father, but he ultimately ended up remarrying after divorcing his mother, and basically nothing went to her except for $10,000. So we see it all the time. Thanks very much. It's Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, big event coming up February 9th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Doubletree by Hilton Berkeley Marina Hotel. You can sign up for the event at you can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget when you do sign up, use the promo code retire one two three to get in for free. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. It's the Friday Ice Report. Friday Ice Report. Old time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. Yeah. Your San Jose Barracuda hockey update. It's Friday. It's a little time for a little ice report. Check up on the San Jose Barracuda. AM 1220 is the home and the voice of San Jose Barracuda. A lot of great tickets remaining for upcoming games. You can get them. Family-friendly prices at sjbarracuda.com. Joining me now, coach of the AHL San Jose Barracuda, Roy Sommer. Roy, how are you? Good, Rob. How you doing? Doing well. Congratulations on a great season up to date. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no, so far it's doing pretty good. I couldn't ask uh, for a better bunch of guys to coach. It's been a lot of fun. Now, when you bring up a bunch of guys to coach, it looks like the Barracuda made a decision a couple years back when there were the Wooster Sharks to go young um, and basically make replenish the farm system with a lot of foreign-born players, a lot of American-born players, a lot of Canadian-born players, but really a youth movement, movement, and it's paying off now because we're seeing a lot of these guys graduate to the NHL level. But does that bring up more of a coaching challenge for you with so much youth? Um, yes and no. I mean, when... Uh 
you get to coach a lot of talent. It makes things pretty easy if you're a coach. Um, you know, the organization, you're right, they made a commitment a few years ago to you know, hold the draft picks and everything, and now it's all kind of coming into fruition uh, with the team we have now. I mean, uh, we're the youngest team in the American Hockey League. I think we're first in the power play in the American League. Uh, first or second in the penalty kill in the American League. We have the best goals against. One of the better goals for. We've got, you know, uh, the leading scorer and, uh, rookies for the American Hockey League. The leading defensively scoring in the American Hockey League. So, <laughs> we've got, there's a lot of assets, you know, a lot of value on this team right now. Sounds good. You got a game coming up that's away against the San Diego Goals that would be tonight at 7 p.m. Are you in San Diego already? We're in San Diego and it's, I'm looking outside and it's coming down rain. It's coming down rain up in San Jose as well, just so you know. Uh, we got buckets of it and, uh, you got another game tomorrow against the Ontario Rain, which is the LA Kings, uh, farm team. Uh, tell me a little bit about the Goals who you're playing tonight. Whose farm team are they and, uh, what sort of team are they stacking up to look like? Um, they're with uh, Anaheim okay. the Ducks. Um, you know they're, they're kind of similar to us. You know they're a little older on the back end and up front, um, but you know they're they're kind of finding their way through. They're not as I don't think they're as talented and as deep as they were last year. Actually, we've got a winning uh, percentage against them this year. Against them this year, but you know they'll be waiting for us. Uh, you know they're starting to play pretty good hockey right now and. We got a couple of key players sent down for Anaheim, and that always makes a big difference. Now, on your roster, you've got a couple of players who have made the AHL All Star team. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, it kind of tells you, you know, once again, future sharks potentially down the road. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, but as a coach, uh, that's got to be a nice feather in your hat as well. Yeah, I mean, we've got uh, you know Grossnet, who's you know had a great season for us, uh, you know, thus far this year, and. And then uh, Daniel Regan, who's uh, leading uh, American League uh, scoring for rookies, he was uh, also selected. Um, we've actually, we actually could have five guys on this team if uh, we really wanted to take that many. But, uh, you know, it shows you how much uh, talent and uh, what a good job the scouts have done for us this year. It's interesting. I also follow the San Jose Sharks, the NHL parent of the San Jose Barracuda AHL team. And and I'm having trouble this year keeping up with the players because a lot of movement uh, from your team up to the major team. And I'm like, who's that? Oh, he just got his first goal. Who's that? Um, you know, he, he's uh, involved in the mess in front of the net. And it's kind of fun to watch. Uh, so I think you're doing a great job from my perspective. You know, that, that farm team, so to speak, is so important. We all know that in baseball, but in the NHL, it's it's just as important, right? Yeah, I mean, they're a little dinged up right now. You know, uh, LeBanks up there starting with us, and he's got eight goals for him. And uh, Timo Mayer, you know, started with us, and he's up there now. And Ryan Carpenter, they just took from us, and he scored, I saw, last night against Tampa Bay. Uh, Barkley Goodrow's up. Tim Heed's up. So we're missing some firepower down here right now. Now, last year, the person who fascinated me most, I went to four Barracuda games, and I got to shake your hand, which was quite a pleasure. Um, the player who impressed me the most was Nikolai Goldobin. I just thought I saw just yeah. crazy skills and great speed. Um, is he going to break into the NHL sooner than later, do you think? 
Yeah, no, it's you know his time's coming. Okay. Um, you know, I I think it's just a matter of uh, we've just got a lot to choose from down here, and you know when they're looking to fill uh, certain holes up there, you know, like Brian right now is uh, a centerman and next uh, winger, so you know that kind of puts him behind the eight ball a little bit as far as his call up, but. There's no one in the American Hockey League when he has the puck that's more talented than that man. What else can you tell me about the team? I know the um, the defense, you know, in the AHL. Does that come sooner than the offensive skills? Well, it's you know, like we're kind of built down here. Like our, you know, all our can skate. We can get the pucks and and move pucks pretty quick. And when you have that kind type of talent back here, you're not in your end long and you're you're in the offensive end more than you're in your own and that's kind of our whole uh, um, structure down here. You know, we try to get uh, the puck in and out of our end as quick as we can and, and uh, you know, go on the attack and that's where our defense down here has really been a big part of our success. I see you're not coming home for a while. You're on pretty much so an extended road trip until early February. Um, how's that wear down on you as you and I are both well over 45 at this point? <laughs> well, it's, you know what? It's not that bad. Like, we came in last night. I mean, a short trip down on southwest to San Diego, and we'll play here tonight, and then we'll bus from here to Ontario tomorrow, and then after the game, we'll bus home. So we'll get back in about 3, 4 in the morning. We'll get Sunday off. Watch the NFL playoffs, and then uh, we hit the road uh, next Thursday for uh, you know Grand Rapids, Milwaukee. So a lot of home games. People can get tickets for sjbarracuda.com. Uh, one last question for you, Roy. You played with Wayne Gretzky, I believe. Do any of the players that you play with know who Wayne Gretzky is at this point in time? The players you coach. Oh yeah, everyone still. He's still an icon. Okay. Um, you know, maybe the real, real old ones they, they don't know about, but uh, everyone knows who Gretzky is. He's still, uh, you know, a big part of the NHL hockey lives of everybody. Sounds great. Good luck, Roy, and uh, I'll talk to you probably as we get closer to the playoffs, and you're in great position for that at this point in time. Thank you. Take well, care. Roy Sommer is the winningest coach in the AHL. He's the longest tenured coach in the AHL. Um, good guy. He is a Bay Area native, which makes you stop and scratch your head because uh, you think of all the coaches likely from Canada, couple from America, but Berkeley? Uh, so his roots are, are homegrown, so to speak. Great man, good father, um, good coach. You can see he's kicked out some pretty good NHL players that come through the farm system at the Barracuda. Very exciting to see. No home games until early February. But then there's like four, five, six games in February that you can grab tickets to now at sjbarracuda.com. That's sjbarracuda.com.
Call Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Mad props to President Barack Obama. When he first stepped into office in 2009, the year after stocks lost nearly 40% amidst the financial crisis of the 2007 and 2008, it was a few months into his presidency. And on March 3rd, 2009, just three days before the stocks on the SP 500 touched an intraday low of 666. Oof. And six days before they had a closing low of 676, the president said, what you're now seeing is profit and earnings ratios are starting to get to the point where buying stocks is a potentially good deal if you've got a long-term perspective. Mad props, up 225% since then. I think you have to have that ability to be a great CEO, to be a great investor. You have to have that ability to kill emotion and not get riled up and lose your cool. Um, I think it's critical, especially when you're dealing with money and people. So, you know, when Chevron and Exxon are falling, falling, falling because oil has fallen from 80 bucks to 70 bucks to 60 bucks, 60 bucks to 50 bucks, 50 bucks, 40 bucks, 40 bucks, 30 bucks, it's probably not the time to sell at 30. Um, because you don't think oil's going to zero. Probably the top thing to do then is consider buying a comparable type stock. So if you own Chevron, you buy Exxon. If you own Exxon, you buy Chevron. Just giving you a basic concept. And you sell the other one for a tax loss if it's in a taxable account. You harvest the loss, and yet you still have exposure to the sector. Initially, one of the reasons you bought oil was probably because these guys make billions of dollars over time. And we've seen oil go up. We've seen it go down. We've seen it go up. We've seen it go down. And it's believed now that oil is probably in a, a good period of of Probably 40 to 60. Um, but what can change that? Anything. A war can change that. An invasion of a country can change that. A major act of terrorism can change that. Um, a new president who says, you know, we're going to go for as much coal as we can get or as much oil as we can get. We're going to deregulate. You can build as fast as you want. So those are things out there. And, uh, <clears throat> Obama had had the cuts, and I give him credit. You know, when Wells Fargo got into their PR mess, a lot of people panicked. And it gave you a chance to make 25% when they're selling at a low. <clears throat> you got to have courage. And you have to know that you're, what you're doing is the right thing. So what else is out there as far as some ideas? And, you know, I'm not going to stick with the whole President Obama buy low all the time because I don't think that's fair. Um <clears throat> Alanis Morissette is in the news. Um, her former manager, Jonathan Swartz, admitted to stealing $4.8 million from the singer and $2 million from other clients. Uh, this came out in court yesterday. Swartz, who worked with the You Ought to Know songstress, who's 42. <laughs> that makes me feel old. Because she's kind of like my generation. Um, he was responsible for collecting income, managing investment accounts, and paying bills on her behalf. At one point in time, uh, Alanis Morissette sued Swartz for fraud and asked for $15 million in damages. 
Canadian-born musician claimed that Schwartz and the company he worked for concealed distributions from Morissette, convincing her that she was in tremendous financial shape when, in fact, they were draining her assets and leading her down a road that could have led to financial ruin. Morissette, she sold more than 60 million albums. She's had decades-long career. I think she's still kind of... She's not relevant mainstream anymore, but I don't think anyone would be surprised if she had a nice tour out there and cashed in and, and kind of got back out on the road and made some money. She's worth $45 million. Now, I would have thought more. Isn't it funny how, like, in this day and age, a millionaire is not what it used to be? She's got $45 million, and I would have said 10, 15 years ago, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. Um, now I'm like, that doesn't sound like much for somebody who sold 60 million albums back when you sold albums. Not albums, but CDs. Now you have to do it all on touring because the MP3s just ain't going to get it done more often than not. Um, so the further lesson here, this was one of those songs that annoyed me because there's very little irony in this. Rain on your wedding day sucks. It's not irony. So anyway, um, this guy stole four point. Eight million from her, and it's a constant reminder that there are bad people out there. Um, the Bernie Madoffs of the world exist, and one of the best things you could do to stop that from happening is keep your accounts in your name. So when you work with someone, don't go out and just go, "Okay, that sounds like a good idea. I'll write you a check." Um, you're working with a company, so you keep your assets at Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab, Vanguard. It's in your name. You can give them limited power to trade, but not to cash money out of that account. Um, you need to make that kind of obvious and a no-brainer. You need to learn who to trust. Um, you want to trust someone who's got a, what's considered a fiduciary role. But you need to be careful because there's some people who will still try to sell you product that's not appropriate for you. Um, I see a lot of insurance agents selling investment products but they're insurance products that act a little bit like an investment product. Stay away from annuities in most cases. If nothing else, read the contract. Ask questions. How do you get compensated? And if they say something like, oh, it's just the industry norm, and it's a fair compensation, that's not, that's not an answer. So be careful. If it could happen to Alanis Morissette, Lord knows it can probably happen to you. Um... This one spun my head. I, I read a report on Generation Z, who are essentially kids who are 0 to 20 um, at this point in time. And they're actually, you know, we talk about Generation Y and how they're the big spenders right now because they're essentially 18 to 35. Um, and they're very mobile. They're very convenience-oriented. Um, Generation Z, is so far, they like to actually go to the store, um, which could just put everything on its head again. Because shopping malls have kind of struggled because of Generation Y. Um, Generation X, we loved going to the malls. It was like time away from mom and dad, and like you can roam the malls like a gang. Uh, even though as four kids, you could probably get beat up by three cats, um, if you know what I'm saying. But Generation Z is going to grow up not knowing a world without smartphones or the internet, other digital devices. Now, it doesn't mean that 
all those digital devices is how they want to spend. In fact, it's turning out that so far they actually like going to the store. And what you're going to see is more stores trying to create engagement um, to get you into the stores. So you're going to see a very high spend on that. Some sort of, you know, reason to go shopping, for instance. Um, and I think that's kind of, that's one of the more interesting, we're not there yet, because they're not the big spenders yet, but they're getting there. So we pay attention to that, and we, you know, we kind of honor it, as best I can say that. So it's Inauguration Day. It's worthy of repeating four or five or six or seven times. Um, the positive disposition today on the markets kind of as a middle finger to President Barack Obama. Um, maybe, maybe not. There's very few stocks that are down today. It's not like we're up 500, 600, 700 points. But after four or five down days, the last days of Barack Obama, were filled with cigarettes and booze. As depression set in, the world turned their eyes to this man who could save them, Donald J. Trump. He who was born of steel from another planet. But yeah, if the markets... Was it just fatigue selling that turned it around? Or was it a kind of a, come on, Trump, let's get this pumped up. Like pump up the gas girl, pump it up. Blue flame. So there's been a, 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 a mantra, an axiom, is actually what it's called, that's made the rounds of by the election, sell the inauguration. And so far, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more reaching across the aisle, and there's been none of that. And good presidents historically have been able to reach across the aisle. Um, I know John F. Kennedy had three Republicans named to his cabinet. Um, it looks like the Democrats are in a mess as the confirmation hearings have really skewed towards just chaos and personal attacks. They should have all got together under their leader and come up with, okay, this is what we're going to do. Let's try to pick two or three of these guys out. And it looks like all ten are going to get confirmed, uh, which is worthy of note. So there's really not a lot, you know, reaching out to the other side going on. And today at the inaugural speech, it would be nice if Donald Trump turned around and looked at all the presidents there. Poor Hillary Clinton. She has to sit on stage as ex-first lady. Uh, but it would be nice if Donald Trump turned around and said, you, Bill Clinton, Thank you. Good job. You, uh, George Bush, Jr. Good job. George Bush, Sr., not here, but good job. We are America. Um, it'd be nice if that happened. Jim Carter will be there. Ronald Reagan's in the ground, but he won't be there. Um, but we'll see what sort of tone we push going forward. But IBM was down big yesterday, up nice today. The tonality, it feels a little bit different. It feels a little bit more oomph on the upside. Now, again, where are we on Monday? It's going to depend on what the polit- politics is driving things. Whoa. That's what I got out of that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It's easy to get complacent about retirement planning when the stock market is soaring to record highs. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. To win the race, you need to take the right steps along the way. Learn winning strategies from me, Rob Black, and certified financial planner, Chad Burton, at an educational lunch event in Berkeley on February 9th. We'll cover the building blocks of a successful portfolio and break down the 2017 market outlook. 
You'll also learn how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, how to minimize tax and retirement, social security strategies, and more. And get estate planning tips for 2017 from attorney Michelle Lerman. That's Thursday, February 9th, 11 a.m. lunch at the Berkeley Marina Doubletree. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com for just $25 or free for KDOW listeners using the promo code RETIRE123. Hope to see you Thursday, February 9th. Once again, sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Free for KDOW listeners using promo code RETIRE123. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I think that whistle's cool. Just like getting Pink Floyd the wall and you know you hear the kids come in. You're like, whoa. I like those little mixes. So I'm talking a little tech predictions for 2018, 2017. And at the end of 2016, the Oculus Rift got out there, the HTC Vive, the PlayStation VR, and Google Daydream. And I'm probably missing a couple. But virtual reality is going to be interesting now because we're going to start comparing it to the penetration rates amongst video games systems like the Xbox and PlayStation. So, which currently enjoy about a 40% penetration rate. I don't have to be the newest user of technology anymore. I did until I was about 35, then I, I've given that up. Um, but that could have some pretty big financial ramifications for Google. For Facebook, they own the Oculus company. Sony, Microsoft certainly not going to uh, secede and give up that. Not secede, seed. So uh, I think I you're. Like the way you say. That. I like the way you say that. Uh, you're going to see more consumer-oriented voice products. I saw the cost of, um, like the self-driving car sensors, the the radars and the lidars that are are used on cars, have dropped significantly from eight thousand plus dollars down to eight hundred dollars in two years. So as we get more and now now drop that and just know that technology is all about smaller, cheaper, faster. But the cheaper is part of that whole thing of technology that makes it so difficult to pull off a great investment uh, because they're dealing in that world where and Apple's been able to do this. Beautifully, keeping the cell phone at $600, um, that's amazing. Because you can go out there and get a cell phone for, you know, $30. So digital voice assistants like Siri, Cortana, and Google Now, uh, they're far from perfect, but you're going to continue to see more products use them as we get more internet-connected home assistants. I've heard that there is now a refrigerator that can tell you, it can scan your refrigerator and tell you when your milk's going old. I, I, I don't know about that. That f- seems a little fishy to me. But the next time I have a refrigerator go, for a refrigerator go out, I'm certainly going to see if I can, if it's internet connected, the next one. Do I want that or could it just be something that keeps food cold? 
Or do I want something that I can go, hey, refrigerator, do we have any ice cream? Let me check, Mr. Black. Ta-da! Oh, I'm sitting on the couch. Can I order someone from Amazon to come get it out of the refrigerator and bring it to me? On his way, sir. Okay, thanks. I'll be here on the couch. But again, more and more devices are going to be used for assistance that recognize voice. Uh, it proves way better than humans um, when you're using voice recognition software as far as speed and accuracy goes. When I say to an automated assistant, a cell phone, um, you know, my web email host connect went down yesterday, so I had to call. And I had to say my name three or four times because she had a slightly different language and I had a slightly different language. And you would say, I always say, they're like, so what's your name? I'm like, Robert Black. Black is in the color. Plaque? No, no, no. Robert Black. You're black. Jesus, just stop for <laughs> Um, so you're going to see more and more voice recognition be put into um, products. So text input speed and accuracy continue to get improvement. So, and uh, remember there was a day when you had like um, Microsoft Word the first time you got it, and you're like, this is cool. I can type, tippity, type, tippity, type, 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 type. I think this year you're going to see Microsoft come out with a product that, that you talk to. New paragraph. Hey, chat, comma, new paragraph. I want to come over to your house and play virtual reality headset game with you today. Period. Is that okay? And then it's going to fix your grammar in there. Because it'll say run on sentence and it'll fix it. So you're going to start seeing more of this. Um, Apple's new iPhone is going to have some sort of, uh, in my guess, augmented reality tied towards it. You saw a little bit of augmented reality tied towards Pokemon Go. Um, so it's not like it's a crazy idea. Now, will augmented reality over virtual reality ever so slightly different? Um, augmented reality technology provides a wide array of uses. It doesn't require any hardware other than a smartphone, and it allows for users to share the experiences. So augmented reality will incentivize developers to build more AR apps for iOS. So you don't need the virtual reality headset. Um, and again, the overnight success of Pokemon Go... It's used as proof of concept. Apple is reaping over $3 billion because of Pokemon Go. That's impressive. What did Apple have to do to, to do that? They had to make a phone that had a camera on it. And then they had to open it up so that the game developer could say, Hey, Apple, can I use your uh, camera while we're also using the processor? Yep. And $3 billion later, profits in Apple's pockets. I think the iPhone 7 Plus, which was released in 2016, it included dual cameras. It provides smartphones with greater depth perception. And you're going to see that's as a big, greater interactivity need for the images tied towards augmented reality. Apple got over 25 employees late in the year from Imagination Technologies. So I think AR is going to be very, very big in 2017. And I think you're going to see Apple be one of the leaders. For the record, I own shares of Apple. I want to say thank you to you and you and you. I want to thank all the drivers. I want to thank the birds, the bees. I want to thank my parents. I want to thank the radio station. I want to thank the the lemon tea that saved my voice today. 
Um, have a nice weekend, everyone. Take care. Talk to you soon. Find me online at Rob Black Show. It's Rob Black Show. Be safe in the rain. Remember, it's Aloha Friday. Let's book a trip to Hawaii soon together, shall we? The views you and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Because it's all here, drinking up my beer, got you.